welcome to the Conquistadors. Tonight, the Conquistadors declare war on WCW World War III 1995. A triple threat team of Rowdy Ewan Taylor, Mr. Wonderful Cameron Phillips, Superfly Phil Doyle. Take on a three ring 60 man battle royal only on the Conquistadors. Welcome again to the Conquistadors. Hooray! Conquista! Yes. Conquistadors! Wrestling! <laughs> yes. After the World Cup, the whole Spanish thing doesn't sound as impressive. <laughs> doesn't it? No, no. Really. Speaking the of. Uh... Oh, back on a plane. Um, yeah. Oh, Speaking oh. of Jordi Juan. Yeah, he got called up to play for Spain. Did he? I <laughs> see. Is that, why the, is that why they're out of the World Cup? Yeah, pretty much. You should have noticed him. I don't think he made it off the bench, but there was definitely Jordi Juan. <laughs> Just warming up the bench. Going, Come on, yeah. put, put me up a torridge, Gaffer. I can do it. I can do a job. I can get on that pitch. I can score a goal. He can do. I have played football with Alan. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> is it? He's genius because he still wears the glasses wherever he goes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So the, the game was when, whenever Al was in goal to just batter it in his face to see yeah, who'd break his glasses. glasses. That's, that's, yeah, pretty much. That's you just cruel. Get the occasional cry of, fucking hell, stop the game, I can't find my fucking glasses. <laughs> that's when you've won the game. Yeah. yeah. That, we we were that, in opticians. Does that yeah. count as a goal if you do that? If you get in the glasses? Does that count as like a, a, sco- a goal point? It did when I was playing. Oh, fair enough. It's like Gaelic football. It's worth more if you get. <laughs> yeah, it is. If Al's glasses fall off, you've you've automatically got double. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so Al, so Al's not here tonight, which means it's a triple threat podcast. Indeed, it is. With, uh, appropriate. Yes, <laughs> yes, it yeah. is. If this if this had like Sonic Ring style titles, you just know it would be a ring each. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of gross. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and sexually aggressive. I'm not sure I can stand for that. I like Sorry. it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go for that. Yeah, so it's just me, Phil Doyle, and Cameron, and you over there to talk about this week's pay per view. WCW Survivor World War Three, 1995. Yeah. Yeah, the theory being that when we did Survivor Series 1995 last month, uh, you wanted to see what was on on the other side at exactly the same time, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, that was, that was my fault, wasn't it? I, I, it really, really was. I'll take the blame for that one. Which mm, will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll get to we'll get to that in a few minutes, but you know, I thought we might chat about some wrestling news, which was the layoffs they've had from the WWE. All the uh, yeah. people being kicked out. Finally, JTG was found and was fired. <laughs> do, do yeah, Where's he been hiding? They just reckon they just like somewhere. A, they just like opened up a cupboard looking for like a mop, <laughs> and they were like, yeah. "Hey, there he is." That was going to be the next episode. Of WWF Warehouse. They'll find JTG <laughs> <laughs> hiding in one of the rings. <laughs> What, hiding in one of the Undertaker's old casket? Sure. <laughs> well, obviously, the, mo- the, the most heartbreaking news of this was the, the, the sad, now, breakup of 3MB. Yeah. Which I, I, I felt a bit sad for, because I know they're, they're like a comedy act and they're a bit stupid, but in that WLC match, they probably put themselves out there. Yes. They took a few nasty bumps, especially, I think it was, um, was it Jinder Mahal? No, it was the, yeah, he took like a big kind of like back suplex off the rope, bringing through two ladders in the table. Yeah, it looked like it sucked. Yeah, so I feel I feel sorry for him, you know. Only up to a certain point. 
that I point think, being home I mean, Drew's already taking bookings in Scotland because I know that he's already scheduled for our, our local promotion in Kilmarnock. Yeah, I saw you t- uh, on the old Facebook. You were so uh, that's going to be me trying to hold Lisa back. That's going to be good fun. <laughs> hey, <laughs> awesome. Um, and there's there's probably a spot waiting for Drew McIntyre or Drew Galloway rather in ICW. Oh hell yes! Oh, I yeah. think, we have uh, a ready-made spot for him. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath the surprise appearance of uh, one Mister McIntyre. You don't think he'll be like uh, snapped up by TNA or that global? What's it called? Global Pro, whatever it's called. I don't even want to look at that. It's <laughs> just a breathing just, disaster waiting to happen. Just no. Just no. Yes, a lot, a lot of people, normally like it happens quite close to WrestleMania. Well, you know, in my mind, it happens close to WrestleMania. It's like the next show after tends to be when they bring all the people in, isn't it? So. Yeah, they, they do usually spend April kind of clearing out the decks, like, <laughs> in years gone by. But yeah. also this time they wait until the sort of middle, well, start of the summer, really. Yeah. So, yeah, bye-bye 3MB. I feel, you know, I, I, I want to get one of those T-shirts that have been... I think Mick Foley's been putting on Facebook, the kind of 3MB um, tour T-shirts. <laughs> I think that'd be good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound so patronising. I'm just I'm sick of Mick Foley being a whore at this point. <laughs> He's got to be though, hasn't he? I know, but there's being a whore then there's being a whore. But didn't he? Um, he didn't like he hasn't renewed his legends contract, has he? Uh, I don't know. No, he, he hasn't because it was the apparently the payout that he got from being featured in WWE 13 video game and WWE 2K14. Um, wasn't in his opinion high enough. Yeah, he could have un- he could have understood the WWE 13 one because that was when THQ went under and maybe they couldn't afford it. But mm. this year, apparently, the payout remained the same. Yeah. So and he didn't think that was anywhere near as good, and um, so he doesn't really want to sign his legends contract. Yeah. So hence, hence the whoring to get the money so he can you know live out his Father Christmas fantasies as much as he can. <laughs> yeah, there's like I think Foley's he's he's. You know how you get what well, I was talking about a couple of months ago? You, you you don't want to meet wrestlers who you think are going to be arses in real life. Yeah. Correct. I think that Mick Foley wouldn't be an arse. He'd be a, he seems like a nice fella, but he seems ridiculously thin-skinned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like anything. If you read Mick Foley's books, every single... Like when um, Tony Schiavone has the whole thing about mankind. You know, over on the Earth show at the moment, mankind's winning their world title because that'll put butts on seats. There's a whole chapter in his book about how he had to phone Shivani and to find out why Shivani said that and had to do this and had to do that. And you're kind of thinking, wouldn't you just think, yeah, we beat them in the ratings, fuck them. Yeah, Stone Cold wouldn't care at all, would he? Stone Cold would be like, screw it. Yeah, you wouldn't go ringing him and just like, all these little stories of Foley just being ridiculously sensitive to anything. We're not talking about old wrestlers, we're talking about, well, we are talking about old wrestlers, aren't we? Because Rick Flair's in his pay per view. We're going to talk about. World War Three. Yes, we are from 1995 from Norfolk, Virginia. WCW declares war. Uh. WCW declares war. With the biggest battle royal in wrestling history. World Championship Wrestling wages World War III. 60 international superstars from around the globe prepare for combat like the wrestling world has never seen before. It's all out war. Three rings, three giants, one battle. 
ECW's World War Three. You want to have Al's little piece on this now because in lieu of him actually being here, yeah, he's current. He's currently away, um, probably in a pub somewhere in the Lake District, um, drinking um, basically warm soup or real ale, as he likes to call it. <laughs> uh, gross. <laughs> um, so, want me to read what he's written to me? Go and for then- it. Right, this is Al's solitary contribution to tonight's show. Right, I'm ready, for ready for it. <clears throat> if you could, if you could film, maybe find a sound effect for this, like a, a wave slapping against against I'll the show. I'll find the um, is it our song from the Simon Bates radio thing? <laughs> do, 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 Let's go. Do. <laughs> anyway. so that, that, that'll start now. Fourteen-year-old self would have loved the concept of this. Sixty men in three rings, who were. I've always loved the Rumble matches and the Battle Royals. However, in my later years, whilst Rumbles have kept their charm, Battle Royals have just become rope-hugging bore fests at times. Prime example, Raw last week. My fourteen-year-old self would have loved the amount of XWF talent, Hogan, Savage, Flair, Duggan, Bossman, IRS, Anderson, Hawk, Powers of Pain, Akeem, Mr. Wonderful, Nasty Boys, Haku, <laughs> Beefcake and Earthquake. Also, an up-and-coming Jerry Lynn and some some humours named Yeti and Big Train Bart. I was surprised to see the voice of Darth Vader in there. Oh, sorry, it's James Earl Wright. And the gentleman who needs to be dealt with by the Trades Description Act, Mike Winner. So after a mediocre undercar which features a terrible taped fist match... The same participants are featured in a forgettable showcase just before the 90, 90 Rumble got underway. I don't quite... I think he means 60-man Rumble, yeah. but no yeah. Here we are, five years on, WCW were trying to get as much as they could from Vinnie Mac's established WF talent, sometimes with disastrous effects, see the Dungeon of Doom, and sometimes with gold, see NWO original formation. This trend continues with the ending of the mess of the Battle Royal that is entertaining, if not difficult to follow at times, and it looks like we're back in 1989 with the powers exploding. Is there no WF story WCW wouldn't recycle? Fast forward to 98 and it's the Ultimate Warriors reflection in Hogan's mirror. I must confess and state that this is the only 60-man match I've watched and I didn't see any of the undercard. I've just read the reviews, but as a one-off, it's an interesting match. A yearly event? Probably not. And I've seen some heavily jobber-filled WF one-ring 40-man battle royals, go Dublin Destroyer, and also <laughs> enjoyed them. But it may only be my 14-year-old eyes again. They once found WF Magazine photo shoot of Alundra Blaze, the height of pornography. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prime it example of the era of wrestling in my mind wants to conserve. <laughs> I was never the biggest WCW fan, I admit, but we're trying to achieve with this pay-per-view. I wonder if my colleagues agree. And then he puts, Hope this, hope sometimes Cam mentions that I've wrote it in the pub whilst watching the England game. <laughs> <laughs> then at the end it wow. just says, Train tickets. <laughs> I think that's a work thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> so there you wow. go. That's our sole contribution to tonight. I think that's uh, kind of summarised the podcast quite nicely, though. <laughs> I think that's... Yeah, there you go. Job done. Thanks, Al. Right, <laughs> let, let, we'll, we'll expand on that a bit further now, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, the first thing I want to talk about before we actually get into the, into the actual kind of show itself was that, you know, the in typical PP fashion, you get like a, shot, a wide shot of the arena and you get like the logo in the corner and the name of the of the uh, arena where the 
pay-per-view taking place. You know, but it normally happens at the beginning of most pay-per-views. Now, this is in 1995, so we're after the Gulf War, but before like the Iraq War and stuff. So war's kind of still good and stuff, which I'm guessing yeah. why they could get away with a plane flying in and dropping in the letters of the of the arena as a bomb that explode when they hit the bottom yeah. of the ground. Sure. Yeah, why not? I guess that was fine. fine. That was yeah, fine, was it? Yeah, that's totally fine. That's okay. Yeah. It's America. It's America. Yeah. So you have a bomber flying and drop the words as bombs and then just fly off. Yep. It's all fine. Yeah, that's all fine. That's okay. And also, it secondly leads on this wide shot of the arena showing the kind of three rings in the middle. Show the problem of a three-ring 69 Battle Royal in that for the entire pay-per-view... You've got three rings in the middle of the arena. Just there. Just there. Just with with the lights off, taking up valuable seating areas of the arena, just kind of there. And it's like, it it looks a bit silly. (laughs) Yeah, but WCW did have a kind of passion for these kind of ridiculous notions, didn't they? It was like, some of them them are really good, like war games in the double ring, double kind of Hell in a Cell type effort. That's really good. Right. But again, you're left with a ring for the entire paper. Yeah, 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 you're left with like two rings. But I, had to, I did actually write down during the first match, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to in a minute, I did actually say, can you move to another ring? <laughs> and my answer, my answer was soon given. <laughs> I was like, they've got, the two, they've got the two other rings in complete darkness. Are yeah. they allowed to go to another ring? Ah, right. <laughs> there we go then. I, I will find out later on what the answer was. Yeah. Yes. So it looks kind of I don't know it doesn't it doesn't look right you know from what as uh, uh, my I think that's why this the event has never kind of um, taken out because I think he I think he knows enough to kind of think but that doesn't look right it looks kind of amateurish having those kind of rings sat there so we'll just stick, stick to the wrong ring and you know drop in the stuff from above for the cells or whatever so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. pretty much yeah. Um, it, it must have been a bit strange being in the audience for this one because as you say is there not like one group of people that are yeah, kind of between two rings yeah they're kind of it's like about a row it's like a, it's about six people wide and yeah. they're kind of like in this little island of people in between the kind of which could, you know would be cool if they kind of worked it into the you know the match a bit more but they're just kind of they're just kind of sat there yeah it's just a bit nuts really speaking of it nuts commentary team yeah Shivani and Heenan Tony Shivani and Bobby the Brain Heenan yeah. Mm. Now we have we have um, given kudos to Bobby Heenan uh, before in this podcast. Oh, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's an absolute legend. With like you know, obviously WrestleMania eight and the like. Um, but um, what do we think of Heenan at the start here? Because he kind of does recycle the whole um, thing he's got at, uh, at was it King of the Ring ninety three when we did that. He was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of not quite on his game. Kind of, yeah, he's there, kind of going, pick me a winner, pick me a winner within the first few minutes, and then mm. doing the heel thing of all, oh, just I'll just change my mind about the winner. Yeah, yeah I'll tell later on. Yeah, exactly. And have um, you noticed also as well how Tony Schiavone, when he's not talking, just looks really worried. <laughs> he's worried like the sky is going to like fall on top of his head or something. His natural facial expression is just to look really concerned about yeah. something. <laughs> um. Well, I did enjoy right at the beginning, as they were introducing the show, they listed off every single ex-WWF talent that was now on WCW as part of their team. <laughs> I thought at one point it was going to start announcing, and uh, Bobby the popcorn guy, he came over. Well, because by 95, <laughs> yeah. quite a few of them had moved over, hadn't they? You know, about Matraman's over by now, and Luger's moved over in the last couple of months, and he kind of, kind of, kind of come back, and Duggan's come over. Yeah, you have people like Dusty, you've got... Probably uh, the Bushwhackers, I expect, I don't know, but they're, they're probably out back somewhere doing something. <laughs> um, Hawks in it as well. Yeah. 
Come over earthquake as um, the shark. The shark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of old sort of basically some of them, most of them, dregs like that have come yeah. over from WF when the WF had to kind of change a little bit. Yeah. Well, are they are they come over because they're pals of Hogan? I mean, he, I'm assuming that's why you know Jimmy Hart yeah. and Beefcake are over there because you know Hogan's got a paycheck. Essentially. Oh yeah. They see Definitely. Hogan. They see money. They go there. Yeah. We'll go where that place is. Speaking of where the money is, how about that internet? Ah, yes. The, uh, we, we, apparently, we can yeah. chat about uh, this pay-per-view on CompuServe. As we are talking to you, you can also talk on CompuServe online with many of the top superstars in World Championship Wrestling. Live tonight during World War III, just type Go Conventions for live electronic chat with WCW superstars only on CompuServe as we bring you our telecast here tonight. Did they ever love the craptastic copy server logo as much as I did? It was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. It Absolutely was brilliant. so from the mid-90s. It wasn't even funny. Yeah. Well, I suppose you are really starting to talk about, you know, 95, you're going to be starting to talk about, you know, the internet creeping into wrestling yeah. in a big yeah. way. It's not going to be like, what, until 97 or 98 when it kind of properly, you know, the smart marks and ECW and all that kind of, I think, firmly come into the audience. Yeah, well, I, don't, but I don't know. But the beginning segment sort of hints towards maybe the internet beginning to come into play. You reckon? Yeah, but it's not it, it, like you wouldn't have at this stage. You wouldn't have like internet dirt sheets. No, I suppose. Yeah, and you wouldn't have like the internet. You know, giving away storylines and uh, all like, this kind of stuff. You'd and, have the message and, boards you know, and stuff. You'd have like message boards and stuff like that. But you'd, you'd have to go really looking for it. It wouldn't be like up to that yes. kind of level. Yeah, yeah. You're probably in like the the honeymoon period between the internet coming into wrestling before it sort of started to, as some might see it, detract from the product. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But speaking of detracting from the product, how about this opening promo? <laughs> <laughs> nice little segue I set you up. How about this promo? So Mean Jeans there, because obviously Mean Jeans come over, and we've got uh, a three-way promo with Macho Man, Sting, and Hulk Hogan dressed in black. Yeah. What madness is this? Just yeah. Just Thunder and Paradise gear. Because if I get this right... Um, I watched the Halloween Havoc that precedes this that kind of fills in the the feud that Hogan was having with the Dungeon of Doom and the Giants. <laughs> and at some point during that feud with the Giant, he started dressing in black because he was going down the dark side? Because he was, he was grumpy? I think it was the whole idea was going to go down the dark side because that's the only way he could defeat the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Yeah, they'd got Hogan in touch with his darkness and all this kind of rub. Kind of similar to what the, the Bray Wyatt John Cena thing would Yeah, would but obviously it's yeah. significantly better. <laughs> yeah, although Cena, Cena wouldn't change for a million bloody years. He wouldn't wear no. black at all, would he? No. no. But also, I think if he was Hogan, he wouldn't shave off his moustache like Hogan did. No, I noticed that. It took me a couple of seconds to go, hold on, the moustache is gone. The Fu yeah. Manchu is dead. Did anyone else get a bit freaked out by that? It's just like, that's wrong. Bit. It's just weird. It's like seeing Tom Selleck without his moustache. It's like, no. Speak of that. Don't, why have you done this? But it's all fine because he rips off the black and he's got his red and yellow underneath and he throws his, his black into a bin that spontaneously combusts. Mm, that's after yeah. Sting had to retrieve it because he sort of missed. Yeah. And the bin yeah. just caught fire. Do sure. you get the feeling that was supposed to happen a couple of seconds earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But my God. This is like an Ill, ill-timed and an advert for fire safety. <laughs> yeah, because when that <laughs> thing goes, it's like, it's proper going, isn't it? Uh, and and yeah, much, it's proper uh, burning. 
a macho man's there with his jacket with all the big dangly things hanging on her. I was genuinely concerned for his safety at one point. I don't think macho man's selling for the fire. That was good. <laughs> like, don't stop, stop the spins, macho. You're gonna get, you're gonna catch light in a second. Yes, because that looks like it's gonna go up really quick <laughs> if that catches fire. Yeah. That jacket does not look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look in that environment. It doesn't look like it's made for the most natural of materials, does it? Let's be honest. No. no, but luckily, luckily the stinger, you know, you know, the good guy that he is, jumps to the uh, jumps to it and like pours a bucket of water over it to put it out. It's not even a bucket; it's a bottle of yeah, water. Bottle. It's, it's like a drink spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mid promo, he's like, you know what, guys, I think I should actually put this out because one of us is going to die up here. Yeah. So after all that, I don't really know what happens to the promo because I was just like focused on the fire safety aspect of the whole thing. Well, the promo is basically, I'll be your friend forever, brother, and it's all good. And you're kind of thinking, oh, they're declaring friendship for each other and how they're all going to bond together. This is going to go horribly wrong later on this evening, obviously. I took a walk to the dark side, brother. If I would have taken the final step, maybe I wouldn't be here with my two best friends tonight. But, brother, now I know who my friends are, man. And tonight... The dark side of Hulk Hogan, brother, will be no more, brother. The dark side of Hulk Hogan is over, brother. There'll be some twists later on, won't there? Eh? There'll be some swerve. Yeah, you're thinking, uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> Wink. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got really there kind of three big names still. Though. I mean, you know, Sting is still like, you know, one of the marquee WCW names. And Hogan obviously, you know, brought over his audience and stuff. So, you know, it's quite a heavy-hitting promo. It's not exactly you know top draw um, quality but you, you've got money on that stage there really to me it just seemed to be a giant let's blow Hulk Hogan promo everyone it always came back to Hogan in the end I will never ever again question Sting Macho Man's my friend Sting has stuck by me since day one I want to be your friend forever when you're wrong you're wrong and I was wrong and I just want to say I'm sorry you're the coolest dude in the world isn't that essentially every Hogan promo after 1989? Well, okay, I suppose, but this Very seems much, yeah. more more obvious. <laughs> more what? Are you suggesting that Sting would do that? Um, I couldn't possibly say. I, I don't think he would. I don't think he would. Not the Stinger. Not the Stinger. Not even, you know, Raven Sting would do that. <laughs> you know? Let's, let's move off this dark topic of conversation. Let's on, go. On to um, uh, Diamond Dallas Page having lady trouble. They've actually missed a bit. Have that I? What's that? Yes, you've missed the key part of the promo oh, where well they burn a piece of paper. Oh, was, what was that bit of paper? Was that like his... Um... It was meant to represent the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Was that what it was? Yes. Oh, because it's... As the promo states, apparently Macho was hurt and Hogan was uh, not going to win the title. And basically Hogan burns it as a sign of, we don't play by this, the internet doesn't know anything, these duchies don't know anything, we'll do our thing... Match a man's fit, I'm ready to go, etc. So it's really just a giant up yours to Meltzer, essentially. Oh, and how did that work out over the rest of the show, I wonder? Mm. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I went to uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dunk? Diamond Dunk. Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page. No, I'm not racist. Yeah, he's having lady troubles with, uh, is it the Diamond Doll? Has she even got a name? Kimberly. Kimberly. Kimberly, that's it, yeah. But she's really she's really stilted. I'm kind of thinking, why would you want her as a valet? Because she looks kind of rubbish. Have you seen uh, Have you seen Kimberly later on in WCW? Like, she's sort of 1999, 2000 WCW. Um, would we refer back to kind of our photo shoot kind of talk here? Or... Yeah, kind of. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll Google image that later, what we've done with the podcast. 
Um, it's, uh, she, that's why you want her as a, as a valet. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. But um, I, I like Darren Dallas Page. He's, he's, he's quite good. You know, I like he, all, all the podcasts I've listened to. He seems like a good fellow. He seems like he's always a guy who's kind of worked his way to his, to his position. Yeah. So uh, when he comes out with a confetti gun, I'm like, yeah, go Diamond. You know? You're, you're Have not you noticed, though, how Diamond Dallas Page actually physically looks a lot better now than he did back then? Yes. yes. That's yes. the DTP yoga, you see. Yoga works, kids. He has it written down. Yoga works. <laughs> he didn't have it back then, did he? He was still just with weights and stuff. He didn't. He hadn't invented it. No, he hadn't done. You know, I think it was like he was. Um, I'm trying to remember an interview I read about it, and he said it was it '98. After doing his back in. Yeah. Yeah, he did. A, he had a massive injury that kind of could have possibly shelved him, and then he started doing it just because he thought he might as well give it a go, and then got yeah. really into it, and it really worked for him. So. I don't know. So if there you go. This comparison that. Uh, DDP in this match looked awfully like Jeff Jarrett in kind of mid late nineties um, WWF. <laughs> well, with his "Don't piss me off" clothes. That pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. Actually, yeah. And he's up against um, is it uh, Johnny B. Bad? Johnny B. Bad because Johnny B. Bad, Mark Merrill. Yeah. Because the gun that DDP had was actually Johnny B. Bad's Bad Blaster, <laughs> stolen from. I'm being serious. <laughs> but he comes out with flares, though. Johnny B. Bad. He has like two flares. Come out with pyro, which is quite impressive. We've quite missed impressive. the whole stipulation of this match, though. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. The stipulation is the winner not only gets the WCW World TV title, but wins Kimberly. Now. I have a big problem. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yes, right. Now, there are some times when no matter how progressive wrestling thinks it is, right, there are moments where it will forever be stuck in the backwaters of some bloody tent somewhere in a carnival, right? <laughs> this is one of those moments. You reckon? Why is that? Because, right, A... Is it because they're talking about winning a woman in the contest of a wrestling Yeah, pretty match? much. You're talking about winning a <laughs> is woman that why? in a fight. On the mat, the prize, of course, the Diamond Doll, who got a tremendous reaction with the fans when she came out. Yes, she does. She is just a beautiful lady and also very, very nice as well. Not only that, but B is the fact that aforementioned woman has put herself up to this. Yes, this is the main point. She No, it wasn't that DP said, you can have Kimberly if you win. Kimberly said, you know what? I'm the prize. Take me. Exactly. And the, the other thing is, see, Shivani later says, Kimberly's just taking charge. Oh, so a woman offering herself as a prize to a man is her taking charge. Female empowerment. Female yeah, empowerment. female empowerment through the lens of American progress. Oh, I just shuddered and I went, oh my. Don't forget through all this, you've got, you've got like Bobby Heenan talking, you know, talking trash to her as well. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. this Diamond Dallas Page has got this. It's like thirteen million dollars or something. Well, I think her heart is with Diamond Dallas, but I think she's doing this purposely to make Johnny B. Bad appreciate her more. She's not going any place, Shivani. This man's got thirteen million bucks. He's on his way to becoming a television champion. She's not going to blow an opportunity like that. Okay, but let's not forget that although they cannot say it, the assumption is that this is a sexual liaison. Yeah. <laughs> But they can't say that. No, of course. But the assumption is obviously, and the the the, the, the innuendo is that this is ha 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 here, you know. And it's all a bit. It just makes me really cringing and uncomfortable watching this match. Is that why Johnny B. Bag gets like a ten plus at some at one point? Correct. 
I was Probably. like, oh shit, because obviously, you know, I, I, I've not watched that much WCW this era, so like, this whole kind of era of DDP is kind of lost on me. So did he? Did she literally just come out with like signs with numbers on that? Like, she would yes. grade DDP during the match? Pretty much every time DDP was a 10, regardless of what he did, he was a 10. That wasn't the best gimmick, though, was it? He had better gimmicks. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a bad match. It no. works for this. It gives us one of the best parts of the match with the 10 plus sign. Come yeah. On. yeah. <laughs> And there's, there's, least, that's, that's one of the best, probably the highlight as far as entertainment goes in this match. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, this match was really clonky at the beginning. Oh, it, it, kinda, man, it, it, it gets going okay, though. Wrist locks and bloody... Headlock. Don't forget the headlock. strength. Yeah. <laughs> there's a mean headlock in this match. It goes on for about yeah. ten minutes, it feels like. But, yeah, yeah, so sunset flips that take about eight millennia to actually get into motion. Yeah, pretty much. But it's not because of the sunset flip that uh, DDP nearly puts himself, or does put himself into, after he tries to kick Johnny B. Bad in the ribs <laughs> yes. when Johnny B. Bad's on the ground. Yes. Johnny kind of moves, and then it leaves. The only thing that Diamond Dallas Page can really do to not look like a tool who's just kicked thin air <laughs> is to just slip on the other leg and land. And take just the throw himself backwards. As hard yeah, as my, my leg tripping my leg. I did um, think... DDP doesn't work he, he works quite good as a heel in this match when it kind of gets going towards the end he's doing some kind of good heel stuff but it's not it's not the kind of the, the awesome kickoff match you really want though really is it no not really not really no. yeah. I've just put down here there's an awful sit down powerbomb from Johnny yeah. Bad. <laughs> yes there is I said it's a good effort but it's really going absolutely bloody nowhere there's yeah. an awful backbreaker that DDP tries but kind of ends up in just like battering his hip rather than his back do you think he just that's, can't turn him? Do you think that's Johnny not actually going for the move? Or do you think it's him deliberately not well, sandbagging it? Yeah. I think he did look like he sandbagged it a little bit. Yeah. Um, the most interesting thing on the commentary in this match is that Bobby Heenan does say at one point, none of the 60 participants of the Battle Royal are saying anything to each other backstage because they all know that it's one man and you know can win it and it's every man for himself. And I'm thinking, yeah, the 60 participants have not said anything all, all night. <laughs> Yeah. Apart from Hogan, Sting, and Savage in the opening promo, <laughs> sure, who <laughs> we were all best friends as as, as we, we well remember. Best friends, and we have a faction that are there as well. Who, yeah, right. Yes. Classic okay. WCW logic. Yeah, and yeah. The ending of this match also just comes out of absolutely bloody nowhere. I think that's a recurring topic for tonight about the ending of matches, kind of mm-hmm. just happening. Yeah, like, they're just like there. Yeah, you just you just look at it and go, oh, oh, right. It was a three count. Oh, it just kind of flops okay. into the ring. It's like, oh, there you go. Where was that? Pretty and the lady, the, you know, the lady wins, I guess, because she gets to go with Johnny B. Bad. Yeah. Who she seemed to want to go with anyway, so yeah. why not just, why not just go and just go. Go. empower yourself as a yeah. female and leave Indeed. the bloke that treats you like crap and then just go Because with he had $13 million dollars in diamonds and stuff. Do you not oh. listen to Bobby Heenan? Goodness sake. I'm always a bit uncomfortable when, in any storyline, they have a prize as a, a as a wrestling match. It's like you know when like you had um, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon fighting over control of the company. Yeah. As mm-hmm. if at any point anyone would risk control <laughs> of a bloody company they owned. In oh, the, out, oh, but you're not sitting in a caravan in Tennessee, though. True. I know. Maybe overthinking <laughs> this. I don't know. You probably are. The one thing I would like to bring up is Nick Patrick was clearly empowering himself because that mullet was absolutely amazing. Oh, it was a good mullet. Nick good. Patrick goes to the top of the Force <laughs> Haircut League. He hasn't got his moustache, though, has he? I couldn't Nick stop Patrick, looking at it. Probably he, he, look, he looks like the fella from Eastbound and Down. Yes, he does. He does, Kenny yeah, Powers. you're right. <laughs> he is Kenny Powers. So if he had that moustache, he'd be in there. Yeah. But his three counts are terrible. Like, oh, he, I know. That I, that drove me nuts. You could so, barely see his count. It was like, it's... what are you doing? 
it's just it's sort of like it's not it's like Teddy Long's count. Yeah. Know, at least Teddy Long at least showed a bit of hesitation for counting. It was more kind of like one, two, three, whatever. I'm and done. he always seemed to kind of position himself behind the wrestler so you couldn't actually yeah. see him counting. <laughs> so you couldn't see. Yeah. So yeah, great hair. You know, work on your ref skills. Sure. That's, I think that's a lesson to take from that match. At least Earl Herbner managed to kick the shit out of him during that match at Invasion. <laughs> so we get like a little promo with, with Johnny B. Bad and stuff, you know, but he just says, you know, don't make your decision tonight. Do it another night and stuff. Yeah, no, and then there's a, there's a, the, the end, like, this is what pisses me off a little bit. So people have paid for the pay per view, like, and want to see this match, I presume, for the conclusion <laughs> is to see if, uh, you know, who wins Kimberly. Johnny B. Bad wins, and now you have to watch something on free television yeah. to see if she's going to go through with it. Now wait, I don't want you to give me an answer tonight. I want you to think about it. Do what you want to do most in your life. Fulfill your dreams and reach your goals. Dal, what about it? Well, Gene, this is certainly a night of mixed emotions. Everything's so overwhelming. I'm glad you're letting me think about it, Johnny, but congratulations. The best man truly won tonight. I think we're going to come back to this, but how, they are pushing Nitro down your throat in this program, aren't they? I think, that, I think that's obviously where uh, Bischoff obviously kind of knew that that's where the real money was from, was getting the advertising revenue through the TV station rather than through the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we've got to get everything back onto that as much as possible, which means you kind of get, like you say, this, like, oh, I can't make my mind up. I'll have to, I'll have to look at it tomorrow and Nitro and stuff. Yeah. But it just degrades your pay per view. It degrades your pay per view. 50 bucks for. Speaking yeah. of degrading your pay per view. Oh, yes. Mean Gene then announces the, uh, is it the, the hotline, the audio line you can listen to? You thought you had heard the last of the WWF steroid scandal. You have it. There is a late-breaking story this past Wednesday, as reported by the New York Post. We'll have it tonight on the WCW Hotline exclusively. Give us a call at 1-900-909-9900. Make that telephone call right now, and don't forget, results from World War III shortly after 10 o'clock Eastern Time tonight. The WCW Hotline, because the WWF steroid trouble's not over. Do you want to hear more about it? Call our $1.59 hotline and yeah. find out what's going on. Nah. How fucking scummy are you? About the WWF steroid scandal. Jesus Christ. I was yeah, like, I genuinely had a kind of what yeah, moment with that. I agree with I that. I was like, so, you are joking me. That 1995 was... WCW. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the fact that A, they're actually referencing the steroid scandal, but B, Mean Gene's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can understand Shivani doing it, not Bischoff doing it, but you'd have thought Mean Gene would have been a bit more kind of re- not respectful, I guess. But it, that, that's that's it's quite brutal what they're doing there, isn't it? Yeah, but from Mean Gene's point of view, in his defence, I suppose if they're paying you and they get employers, yeah, yeah that's true. I'll give you that. It, then you can't exactly turn around and say, "Oh no, I have principles." <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair right. play to him, whatever. Yeah, you did, you yeah. had to do it. You're stuck in the room. But for them to make money out of getting probably dirt sheet crap information sure. about Vince McMahon's steroid trial, which, let us not forget, was started by the guy who they are pushing as the number one guy. Yeah. Correct. And that would be Hogan. And a lot it's... of these guys have come over because they started steroid testing in the WF. Yeah. That is, the, that is lower than a racing snake's belly. Hey. It's I you know I mean I, I know there'd be kind of dirty stuff you know in the Monday Night Wars as we could get through to it you know through to you know them 
uh, spoiling the the that night rules because they were taped, you know, the previous week, whatever. Mm. Yeah. But that that is a low blow. Yeah. And that, like, I think I think that just kind of shows just the kind of depths that he gone to. It just shows Bischoff's obsession with being number one. Yeah. He Pretty didn't much. Care. Bischoff was fairly obsessed, like, and this is the early example of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But you know, enough of that unpleasantness. Onto the uh, uh, the feud of the of the pay per view so far. Which is uh, Duggan versus Big Bubba Rogers, uh, aka the Big Boss Man, in a taped fist, fitch ma- uh, taped fist match. Yeah, I'm yeah. not quite sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would like to give this match half a star for one thing alone: the fact that Jim Duggan didn't just let Big Bubba Rogers do his entrance; he actually came out and interrupted his entrance because he was actually mad at him. <laughs> well done, logic. Thank I- you. I thought the half star was going to be the fact that Duggan came down with a two by four strapped to his chest with like a yeah, sling. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, and I think it, at some point during this match, I'm sure they say Duggan's like the, the tape fist champion. You know how hard that makes your hand when you have all that tape wrapped around it. His grandmother was a tape fist champion. Did you know that Duggan's grandmother? Yes. We saw she had three less teeth than he did. Yeah, they babble on about how his grandfather was some Irish bare knuckle boxer or something rubbish, lad. Don't <laughs> yeah, they? and it's just like what? Just, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is it no DQ match? I mean, this is the this is the point where they kind of they're, they're flying to different rings, yeah. you know, willy nilly because it's yeah. this match. <laughs> the, the only rules are it's the KO or pinfall. That's it. Yeah, essentially, but, it's a hardcore match, but without any weapons. Yeah, which is essentially pointless. Yeah, pretty and much. then you get like Bobby Heenan seems to really get upset when people fighting on the floor. Yeah, thirty exactly thirty minutes into the the video, it's why does everyone fight on the floor? What do they think the thing with the ropes is called? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are three of them. That can't have why does everybody it? have to fight on the floor? What do you think they, the thing with the ropes is called? The note I've got after that is um, I've just put down. Geez, that commentary desk is pretty damn close to that ring. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? <laughs> It's like it's like a boxing commentary thing, isn't it? It's like literally yeah, just like yeah. touching it. By the by, the whole mass of humanity that are about to invade that ring and later on the battle, you'd have that a bit further away, <laughs> a little bit further back. I actually think it would be funnier if it was actually in one of the other rings that weren't being used. You just see this little corner, <laughs> the corner of the screen. <laughs> you can see the team at all points. Yeah. Also, yeah. the thing just another note I put down is like at one point, Duggan starts USA chance. Oh Jesus! It's about two seconds in the match. Yeah, I put, he, he hits Baba and then just someone in the crowd starts chanting USA, and lo and behold, Duggan does it back. I was like, "Why did you start a USA chant? You're both from America." <laughs> yeah, I've got that as well. Why does he do it against American opponents? It's just so ridiculously like, pointless. If he's fighting a Russian, fair enough. Fighting yeah. a Frenchman, fair enough. A Canadian, even fair enough. Sure. But like an actual other American. Well, he's nothing else, has he? But it's just like I mean, this match. I mean, it's, it's just like you know, big men running at each other. Match, isn't it? <laughs> it's Great. just what we talked about. Was it Bam Bam versus Duggan in the King of the Ring? It's it's just uh, like that, isn't it? People kind of yeah, running each other. Yeah, really. But well, with the editing, yeah, um, Bobbert's boss man. I'm just going to call him boss man. I can't call him anything other than boss man. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. He puts a bit more into it than Bam Bam did into that match. Oh yeah. Well, I I know I. I think I think Bossman's kind of unfairly maligned at the time, but I don't think he had the best gimmicks or the best kind of storylines. But especially this one, because yeah, it's just Christ. a reprise of his WWF gimmick. Yeah, but I mean, he, you know, as as a wrestler, he was a great big man. You know, he was. He was. He light was really his feet. Good. He could. I've got down know. here that there was an Inzagiri at one point. Yeah, you know that, that amazed me. 
he was really good, but he was he always seemed to be just kind of, oh, we'll just put him into this feud. We'll just put him over here and stuff. So, like, he, I think at this point, is it him that wraps the extra tape around his fist? Because extra tape equals extra pain? Yeah. yeah. I don't like know why. And then he tapes Doug into the top rope. Yeah. yeah which, I've got a note on here saying, surely you'd just tape his mouth shut to stop him saying USA. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird, though. See, you know, in the um, Survivor Series 95, he gets uh, Diesel tied to the ring, to the ring post. And this one, you get Doug and tied to the rope. Weird how storylines... Yeah, one would be slightly more exciting than the other one, though. <laughs> what? Right. Are you saying that tactical Jim Duggan tied to the top rope by some tape isn't that by exciting? One bit, by one bit of medical tape, no. Yeah. Are you saying that's not exciting? Is that what you're saying? Then? No, I'm, I'm saying that pales in comparison to um, cable wires and diesel getting his ankle tied <laughs> to a ring post. Did anyone else catch the bit where Tony Schiavone completely misunderstands what bird's eye view means? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'll give you the exact time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 30 minutes and 45 seconds, just for your reference, Phil, when you drop this one in. Very unique setup here, as you can see, between rings two and three, there's a very small ringside section. So those fans who are in ringside have really a bird's-eye view of what's going on here. They're on the, to the side, you pleb. <laughs> there are people sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? I can't see anything. Yeah, birds fly, Tony. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah, cheers, good night. <laughs> uh, um, there's a bit where um, Bossman does get backdropped over the rope, over the top rope, and does take an almighty crack on the swing yes. apron on his back. Like. It looks, yeah, I remember that. He kind of doubles over. It looks like he actually probably heard that bit. Did sound and look like it probably stung a bit. Yeah, he gets a bit of colour as well, and you know, after Duggan puts more tape around his face or hits him with the tape, I forget. Yeah, but it's right at the end, and it looks like a mosquito bite. <laughs> and then, um, is it IRS comes out? Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. no. DK Wall Street. Sorry, not Mike Rotondo, or whatever he used to be called. Not the Rotondo. The Varsity oh, Club comes out. It's, is, it, is that Wyatt Senior? Yes, it is. Uh, it is Wyatt Senior. Yeah, it is, it is. And he, um, he comes out with a chain. We can find out if chain is greater than tape. Correct. And um, the, the, winner is, the winner is chain. <laughs> ding ding ring the bell in the greatest I... feud of tape versus chain versus two by four don't forget two by four yeah, oh yeah oh, sorry, it comes out yeah. as well yeah it's, 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 it's a rubbish match isn't it it's, it's, it's not a it's great match it's just sloppy as anything and... camera appreciate this in my notes I wrote down the rotunda balls in the building <laughs> <laughs> which is a reference only camera will get <laughs> <laughs> to, right. explain, to explain Phil oh god there, there is a casino by the SECC in Glasgow called the Rotunda Bowl sorry called the Rotunda <laughs> so I've named it the Rotunda Bowl because that makes sense yeah it's right next to Al's Crane oh yeah I thought it was Al's Crane it's got fucking Carlisle written on it <laughs> yeah right okay thanks Al <laughs> Oh god! So after that, we, we've got we get a Ric Flair promo, promo next. Oh, this promo's fantastic! Which I, the, just wrote, <laughs> I just wrote Ric Flair is fucking awesome as he struts off camera. <laughs> yeah, but the only thing I wrote down is at one point Ric Flair says, oh, "You're going to get back into the ring with a great one one more time." Yeah, it's like, but it's 1995, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, Ric Flair. You went you, that one more time lasted about another ten years. The Nature Boy. And profile 
And for that little incident on TNT, where he almost ended my career, the Great One is back one more time! In 2005, he was still wrestling in the WWE. Yeah, 13 years? Uh, 15 years? When? And then he went to TNA. <laughs> and let's not they... talk about that. Let's, let's just say that when Ric Flair says one more time, he's at best economical with the truth. Yeah, one more time is equal to about 15 years. Yeah, but it's a Ric Flair promo. It was brilliant and he struts off to one side. Oh, I just put that it's more shouting and Flair not making much sense, but hey, it's Flair. <laughs> it's Flair to, to, to be fair, compared to some of the in-depth commentary Dusty Rose provides later on, Ric Flair gets a fucking minute. <laughs> for me. Well, yeah, true, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. <clears throat> At least understand what Ric Flair is saying when he's in rant mode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next match is clearly the Japanese women that the WWF couldn't book for their pay-per-view. <laughs> um, yep. You've got Akira Hakuto versus um, Born Nakano versus Kyuji Suzuki and Miyami Uzaki. Indeed. And this is, um, as Mike Tanay helpfully puts it, yes. is a match of AJW, which is All Japan Wrestling, and JWP, and a match that you will never see outside of Japan. Because they're in two different promotions, you fucked hard. Of course not. <laughs> but you notice there again, like uh, the Supposed bringing in Jim Ross, they bring in Mike Tanay because A, he knows the names, and B, he knows what their moves are called. I have written down here that it's odd to hear Mike Tenay, if you're used to his TNA screaming yes! and all the rubbish he has to put over on TNA is something decent, it's odd to see that Mike Tenay is a really intelligent commentator. He is when he's allowed to be. When he's allowed to be, and when he's allowed because he can tell he's done his research on this, and he's the only one seemingly that has a clue who the hell these people are and is able to tell the viewer what it is and who yeah. these people are. And why um, you should care. And why you should care about this and why it's a big thing. Um, you know, I, I think Heenan's contribution is just to say, hey, the missus is here. Yeah, he assumed, <laughs> I think Heenan assumes the casual racism role in this one, doesn't he? Yeah, the casual, <laughs> yeah, the casual racism and sexism. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it's Japanese uh, women, it's 2-1 for them, isn't it? They can, they can nail both targets without even trying. Oh, Pretty much, yeah. Oh. But also, uh, what amazing hair! Yes! Yeah, is it Paul Meccano? Yeah. Is that up about that two foot? skyscraper thing going Ridiculous. on. Ridiculous. And there's lots of hair pulling in this mouth. Sorry, lots of hair throwing. Mm-hmm. And oh, this ref, a lot, yeah. this ref is very lax and is you know double teaming in the, in the you know the tags. Uh, I think it was more he didn't want to get involved in the middle of all that because it yeah. would not end well. Because <laughs> at one point it's like it's like a double uh, sharpshooter thing going on in the middle of the ring. Yeah, it's a double half Boston crab going yeah. on, and he's just like, "Guys, ah, carry on." Fuck it, you know they're not tapping. Go keep going. Just, Did anyone just, just catch go. the fun fact about North Korea? Yes, was oh. it? There was um, one of them wrestled there, like in the biggest wrestling match of all time, yeah. or something. Where a hundred oh, yeah. there both nights. Yeah, because they probably didn't have a choice. It's not Korea. <laughs> Your choice was go there or you die. Yeah, go there or die. <laughs> so, how how do you rate this one compared to the Survivor Series uh, Japanese ladies tag match? I like this one more because there was more some hard hitting in it. That's yeah. probably down to the fact that Bill Nakano was huge. I think they're damn more, stiff. Yeah. I think they had more time to work as well because a lot of the Survivor Series match, somebody would do a move and then they get eliminated. Yeah, you get eliminated. It was after, quite like, stilted uh, after you know, like an arm bar or something. Yeah, <laughs> I did enjoy this the Joel Frankensteiner spot. Was that? Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you know she was? But you know. I, I felt sorry for um, uh, who was it? who took Nakano's guillotine leg drop because that just looked absolutely brittle. Yeah, that was Mayumi, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Mayumi. She just yeah, Mayumi killed. Yeah. 
It does look horrendous. <laughs> it does. And then she just, the camera just very casually just rolls over and goes, I'm the shit. Care- <laughs> done. Yeah. Mind you, Bo Nakano does take those like four foot stomps from the top rope in a row. Yeah. I mean, they, so they, they, can't be, they can't be the most pleasant things to take. I know they're not the biggest women in the world to come off top rope, but still. Still, yeah, it's going to be a. Bit it's of a not going to be pleasant, is it? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's painful for me to say is probably the best match so far. Uh, yeah. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, yeah. shockingly, yes. Yeah, some you know, a, a group of four women who have nothing to do with WCW is probably the best <laughs> match tonight so it far. It came out to generic music to absolutely no reaction whatsoever. Oh well, geez, all yeah, of the music, no one has a clue who they are. All mm. of the music in like for each wrestler so far has been appalling. <laughs> yeah, I think this yeah. is where like one of those things you really miss Jim Thompson from the WWF. You know, like at least you know what's. 70% of the music on the show was, you know, is good compared to WCW. Each song yeah. is just generic rubbish. It's yeah. really, that difference is shockingly bad. It's shockingly big. We'll find out later with a Macho Man's theme song. Oh, oh yes. So even talk about Which that. I think someone's been paid to fart into a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> like, how could you mess that up? It's just like, oh, never mind. Yeah, you'll come to that later. Uh, speaking of which... <laughs> speaking of which... Macho's opponent for the night is Lex Luger comes out with Jimmy Hart. Oh god! Because Luger's twerk for Jimmy Hart. Don't forget. There's this whole complicated thing of Luger being part of the Dungeon of Doom, but not being part of it, but just kind of coming out and beating people up. Yeah, they try to explain it with a promo before the match, and I doesn't work. I don't know. But do you notice when he's doing this promo here with Jimmy Hart? Would you say he's reading off paper? I was just about to say exactly the same thing. That is what I've written down. Is Lex Luger reading this? He never looks at the camera. He never looks at the camera until the very end. We kind of get to like his catchphrase. He's just looking, you know, he's looking solidly down. at the bottom, yeah. of, down at the floor. He he must be reading off cue cards. Yeah, an of giant boards. Which I mean, Lex Luger isn't. You know, he, he's not, he was a big name in WCW, never quite made it WWF, but obviously, you know, he was quite a big name over the years, you know, matches with Sting and Flair and all that. So he'd been wrestling now for, what, a good, probably 10 years. Mm, yeah. To have to read mm-hmm. your own promo cards, that's that's bad, isn't it? That's not, you wouldn't get Flair doing that. You wouldn't get, you know, Sting would never do that. No, but, you not know. Not even Marty Jannetty would do that, for crying out loud. Can you imagine them without the cue cards? It would be like Sid Vicious level bad. That would always be more endearing. <laughs> you know, for him to kind of throw out some crazy Sid Bishop stuff as opposed to just looking down and reading off a card. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, Lex Luger, Lex Luger, Lex, Lex, Lex Luger. <laughs> also, what's going on with them white band things around his biceps? I have no idea. Because are um, those the same sort of thing that Cesaro now bothers, uh, gets for his thighs? Uh, that's a, that's a rugby thing, so. isn't it? Because they look the same. I thought you yeah. were one of those things, it's, it's like a rugby thing, because you used to play rugby union or something back in Switzerland. I might be no a idea. Yeah. I think they'll make his muscles just look like, you know, WBF big and stuff. Show me the body! Show me the body! <laughs> Show me the body! Show me the body! Well, let's not do this again. That's, I'm still horrible. I'm still haunted by that. <laughs> Speaking of um, showing you the body, Chris Benoit's out next. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I've just written down here, Too lads... Soon? How do we feel about watching Benoit matches now? Um, oh, hold on. What, hold on, my wife just called in. Two seconds. Let's talk about where Phil's a dick. Oh, 
Sorry, my wife just called. Oh, okay. Show fun? Yeah, she said Dolly Parton was brilliant. Life affirmingly amazing, but two thumbs up. Wow. I'll let my review of that review out of the podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where were you? Chris Benoit. Uh, yeah. We were just asking, um, how do we feel about watching Chris Benoit matches now? It's really hard, isn't it? It's, it's weird. It's a bit weird, yeah. Because you just, you know, effectively you're watching a murderer. I, I've i got Chris Benoit's DVD that was released quite a few years ago and I tried to watch it again recently. I can't watch it. No. The Hard Knocks DVD, even though it's his life story, there's still a lot of weirdness about that. In fact, I'm watching somebody who killed his entire family. Yeah. Did you yeah. listen to, um, I think it was on the um, Chris Jericho podcast where he interviewed um, uh, Chavo Guerrero? That was a great interview. And they talk about Chris Benoit. Both of them kind of say, like, you know, if, they, if there was one person they would have picked to look after their kids, it would have been Chris Benoit. Mm. And it's just yeah. like they, they don't understand. They still know them, kind of understand how he could, you know, change and do what he did. And if I, if that's his best friends, call that opinion, then you know, how are we as fans to kind of judge his, judge his work? Because essentially, like, exactly, it's yeah, like exactly. ten years or so of someone's you know career and kind of major storylines and stuff, like all the work he did in WWF. You know, can you just kind of blank all that out? It's like you know, it's, 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 it's the same kind of discussions around. Um, um, oh, the guy who directed uh, Chinatown, Polanski. Roman Polanski, mm. yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, he's essentially a rapist. Does that mean you disregard all of his work previously to this? You know, do you just it's, you know, it's, with it's uh, Woody Allen as well? Between the, the the character Benoit played mm-hmm. in a wrestling ring and the actual human, mm. which is why on the network now you've got that pro the little kind of blurb before you actually get the show that explains you know these are characters, these are not real people. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. represent WWE corporate and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, Chris Benoit was, you know, he was a great wrestler. Yeah. Oh, he was. And he was, in, he was in, you know, superb matches. And it's, it's, I think it's very difficult to just kind of say, no, you have to kind of discount all of that because of what happened. But I think knowing what we know now, he would change a lot. He would do because he wouldn't be taking the level of chair shots he was taking in in WWF 2000, for example, where mm. it seemed every week in Raw he was just getting nailed by a chair. But then would that have taken away what made Chris Benoit Chris Benoit? No, because he had the wrestling technique, though. Well, that's true. But I think you know, that kind of aggression and that kind of, you know, that hot edge to his character, I think, is what got him over the fans. Mm. You know, even you know, because the, uh, the technical skill would get him over the smart marks and stuff, you know, he'd be popular with them. But to get to, like, a wider audience, you know, they need to connect with you. And, that, you know, I think it, but his work style was what connected him with fans. So if you take that out of it, yeah, you know, I guess. you're not going to get the same Benoit, are you? It's, diff- it's a really difficult thing to kind of judge. Yeah, I guess it also we're living in the time of where ECW is at the forefront at this point. You know, albeit it's dying, but people still remember the blood, the craziness, the tables, the yeah. chairs, the fire, the whatever else. So at that point, they were competing for that audience because ECW was at this point dying in 2000. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty much in life support. So, you know, looking back now, he probably wouldn't have done half the stuff he did. But like you say, would that have affected how popular he was? Yeah, it could have. We will never know. Yeah, exactly. We'll never know. Or, or you know, we'll never know what happened that day when he did his crimes. You know, it's, it's just like I, don't, I I can't think of any other kind of arena where that kind of things happened. You know, movie stars or pop stars no. or whatever. You know, there's, there's like things like Gary Glitter and stuff, but that that doesn't quite you know it hasn't got the edge. I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same as you know as, as the Chris Benoit situation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's. Brought the podcast down a chunk, hasn't it? Yeah, slightly. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Let's he, talk about the match. He, he does yeah, a match against a Japanese fella. That's quite good. But you can, um, you can kind of tell the crowd's not into it, though. Even though you know it's a good technical match, good stiff match with you know the uh, the fellows at uh, Kensuke Sasaki. Yes, from yep. Japan. He's the he's the US champion now, isn't he? I think. He is the US heavyweight champion. He comes yeah. up with um, Sonny Ono, who I love the way he, during his Sasaki, he just re- very elegantly reveals the Japanese flag, just unrolls <laughs> it like he's like unrolling a cigarette or something. Yeah. But, yeah it's it's absolutely it's... bloody tiny, the flag, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> really small. It's like, you know, you, you've probably got, like, you know, in, in years to come, you'll have, uh, you know, Bret Hart walking out the room with a massive Canadian oh, flag. Yeah. It just seems really good. Mr. Fuji, yeah, two years previous, this massive Japanese flag. <laughs> and now you've got a little, it looks like something you put in a cocktail. Spent all the money in Johnny B. Bad's pyro. Obviously. Probably. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good match, but I don't think the, the crowd don't seem to be that into it. They're quite, quite flat during the whole thing, but it's a good mm, match. Yeah, the crowd are pretty lame for this entire pay-per-view, though. Yeah. yeah. The, the only kind of note I've written down is at one point, because um, Benoit's part of the Four Horsemen, I think Tony Schiavone refers to the aerialness of Brian Pillman. You know, this group of Four Horsemen may be the best of all time. I mean, with the knowledge of Ric Flair, the tag team ability of Aaron Anderson, the aerialness of Flying Brian, and this man, Benoit, can do it all. From the mat to the ropes to the floor. The aerialness? Yeah, that's not a word to Johnny, but, it's you know, word. thanks for trying. Yep. Well, you know, Thank you, come again. Talking <laughs> the things that sound like words that aren't, we're into the, the, the giant promo after this with Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, oh, God. I don't get Kevin Sullivan. Is Mean Gene now annoying anyone else? Yes, because he's just, like, uh, it's just be quiet, Mean Gene. Let the people talk that are there. I mean, don't just well. like it's begging for some Mean Gene and someone else to be there, so you can just sort of alternate between alternate. the two. Mm-hmm. It just always seems to be Mean Gene, and now we're going to go to Mean Gene. Oh no! Would it hurt to get the brain down for a couple of interviews? Mm, you probably you probably need more of a kind of neutral guy for it. Yeah. Uh, Did you notice uh, as well? But I think in, in the majority of the promos, the people have to move the mic. Because Mean Gene puts it in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, it's in at least you know three of like most of these promos. Somebody grabs it and kind of pushes it into the right place because he can't do it right. Yeah. Mean Gene's um, this game. Do we do we have a chance to get in the Giants' love poem? I, I've written down. Violets are red. Promo. Holy shit. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I'm gonna kick your butt to Kalamazoo. Hold on. You're mine. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Oh, God. God, who thought that was broadcastable? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I love the fact then this is followed, by the way, by a, a graphic for Starcade, which on it says Sunday the 27th. <laughs> which and is the says, day. Actually, it's a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. See, which that, is like I brilliant. Think... Well done, <laughs> WCW. It is Starcade. And this year, Starcade 1995 comes your way on December 27th. Now that, fans, by the way, is a Wednesday night. Wednesday, December 27th, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, live and only on pay-per-view, Starcade 1995, Brain. I think that there, more than anything else, that summarizes the difference between the WCW and WWF, because that wouldn't happen in the <laughs> WWF show. Yeah. The person would change the template. There's no way in God's green earth that Vince would let a promo card go up with the wrong day on it. No, exactly. And for all people complain, oh, Vince has got a lot of control over WWF and what they broadcast, WWE, you know, blah, 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 blah. Have you found that through the years of growing up watching WWF, you become so accustomed to a pretty darn polished product? Yes. Anything like that suddenly seems really jarring. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's like it's like when you watch like I'm not digging at them, but when you watch Ring of Honor, you have to kind of get over the fact that it ain't gonna be production wise. WWE. You're not going to have the, the the camera views and the, the kind of polished no, production. It's still anything. brilliant to watch. Yeah. But it's not going to be WWE. They are going to better. Yeah, oh yeah, they're getting. Fa- yeah, I'm not. I'm not by saying that popping at Ring of Honor. No, but I know what you're meaning. Yeah, but you, you have to really kind of go. Okay, yeah. it's going to be a little bit darker. It's not going to be as well lit. The camera angles might not be quite as good sometimes. Okay, if I can get past that, yeah. then I'm going to watch a really good wrestling. But show. even like you say, even in the mid '90s when the wrestling product wasn't that good, they could still produce a show. You know, oh yeah, of, of that, you know, yeah. that great quality. Still slick. Yeah, mm. which you, involves having the right dates for promos on the title cards. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But there we go. There we go. Never mind. Speaking of things you shouldn't mind, Lex Luger versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, this match. He's out. He's gone. He's gone. Was Luger a secret member of the Dungeon of Doom? Did he have the personal agenda Savage had claimed? It all came to light at Halloween Havoc. Savage showed he was a true friend to Hulk Hogan. Luger showed something else. Lex Luger has Hulk Hogan up in the torture rack. Well, you better get an envelope to send Hogan home. Jimmy Hart. The the promo beforehand, though, um, let's not forget, it gives us a couple of insights into the Macho Man psyche, right? He's jittery. He's a jittery man. Are you jittery? I'm always jittery. I love that line. (laughs) He's always jittery. Let's not forget the mathematical uh, equation here of a million percent is better than 100%. (laughs) You've got a problem with that arm? How is that going to affect you tonight? You can't do it on guts alone. I say I'm a million percent. That is better than a hundred percent. A million percent? A million percent! Shit, you didn't know. Which I didn't know, yeah. You see, if, if the giant had said that, I'd be kind of, you know, going, oh, jeez, what's that about? Because Macho Man says it, but because he, he has that look in his eye, he completely 100% believes it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you buy it from Macho Man. You wouldn't buy it from anybody else, but you buy it from him. I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Also, was this pay-per-view broadcast live? Yes. Or was it taped? I'm I think it was live. live. Because they're going to do, they do a promo with Macho Man outside in the arena, and then literally 30 seconds later, he's coming from behind the curtain. But he runs, for his, obviously. For his entrance. That, to me, was just another really jarring moment, kind of going, well, surely you'd just interview him backstage and then have him... Yeah, like in the gorilla position or something. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It would yeah. make it... Fine. But, but no, you get a promo, uh, you know, it's like going, a million percent is better than 100%. And then you get... <laughs> well, Here at World War Three. Ladies and gentlemen, the next contest tonight is a special return match set for one fall. Introducing first, from Sarasota, Florida, weighing 235 pounds, Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, as Gene Ackerman said, a tremendous fan favorite, a guy who... How can you mess up Macho Man's theme? I don't get that. 
You do because you're cheap. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Don't, so just give him something different. Not just try and rip off the WF one with some kind of uh, really odd farting trumpet effort. <laughs> According to the internet, this was shown live. That just must be weird. He must have run then. <laughs> I must have run. Well, he's one of a couple of people that had to run really fast after doing their promos because all of a sudden, like you say, they came out of, of yeah, the, the match. match starts and that's it. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think, you know, the amount of time we talked about this match so far is, is actually longer than the match. Yeah, the match they have it. five minutes. About that, because Savage comes out with his arm all taped up. There's a bit of action going around and stuff. Bit slow, bit, l- bit lumbering because that's Luger's style. Yeah. And then he wins it with an arm lock. Yeah, he wins it with an arm lock. Okay, they're trying to sell the fact that Savage has got a, uh, an arm injury, but the fact that Savage is kind of seemingly knocked unconscious by this. <laughs> Don't forget the torture rack. Don't forget the torture rack as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. I put down here. Sting comes down and just talks to Luger. See, I like yeah. that. I like that because it's like they, they kind of talk about how Luger and Sting are best friends. And like no, how they kind Steve... of build up as if it's going to be some massive run-in and some kind of you know near stand-up. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it if they kind of, you know, had a standoff and had a moment of kind of going, Ugh, fists raised. Could yeah. they? Could they? But it's just the way Sting comes down and goes, do you want to fucking let go? Eh? <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> kind of going, all oh, right. Uh, okay. I quite liked it because I thought they did it quite well. Like It's just Sting talking his friend out from being so, a dickhead. Here, pal, you want to do that? I didn't, mind, I didn't mind it as much as that. I thought it was, you know, it was, good, it was a good little bit of business. Like, I get your point though. I like, disagree on that. I think if they get a bit of pushing and shoving to kind of sell a bit more of a thing, that would. Have been I would fine. have wanted a bit of a bit of tense moment where something could have kicked off and then yeah. it didn't. Fine, yeah. but just the way it is, it's just like kind of going, he's running down the ring. Oh my god, here comes Sting! Oh, there could be something. No, he just talks to him, and then that's it. Yeah, it's fine. It's really badly done. And here comes Sting. Sting, and they're going to be partners tomorrow night. Luger. A couple of weeks ago, Nitro had Sting let go of Ric Flair, who had the Scorpion Deathlock. And now, in virtually the same fashion, Sting is talking Luger out of of this. I don't understand the relationship with these two. There's something they know there. But it seems daft to bring Sting out at this point because he's now got to run back out for the program to be done. Let's come back out for his match. Run back. And do his entrance again for the match for Flair. Get his coat, come out to his pyro for the uh, for a Sting Flair match, which is bitterly disappointing. Well, you can, I think you can kind of see that uh, the edge is starting to go off Flair at this point. I think he's getting a little bit. You know, he's not quite as. Uh, he looks hella saggy. Yeah, he's looking saggy. He's, he's not quite got the snap to his moves anymore. He doesn't quite do the re- the flare flipper with the, the tumble, does he, at one point? No, he actually screws up his own spot. Yeah. 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 So it's not, you know, grade A flare, this. But it's, no. still, it's still a decent match. Still better than Duggan and Bubba. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's better than that. But, I mean, the crowd have finally livened up a little bit. Well, because Sting's um, there, obviously. Which makes it a lot better. It's because the um, stars are coming out. Yeah, pretty much. It's towards the end of the night, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that it's the whole thing of Flair just keeps running around all the rings. He's in ring one, and now they're in ring three, and ring two, and back yeah. to one again. Um, <laughs> I have put a big note in, big capitalise here saying, Sting sells bugger all. <laughs> yeah, Sting is captain no sell. I mean, it works for the chops. They kind of, you know, they sell the chops as just kind of firing Sting up. But he sells the nice stuff, all right, and then walks between rings perfectly fine. Yeah. On the page, Sting sells no, uh, no sells the chops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
we, well, he does the, sell um, a bollock shot. He yeah, does amazingly. With the whole thing with the uh, when he gets him into the um, figure four and starts slapping him, that's a good bit of business. That's cool. That looks that's, cool. that's good. Yeah. I think that's what the, you know, these two kind of know. They've had enough matches; they can kind of rely on the, that psychology. They know how each other's work well enough. Yeah, yeah. To kind of get around the fact that you know, Sting's probably kind of you know maybe just like a step up his proper full game, and Flair's you know starting to decline. They can still get a good match out of each other because they know how each other work well enough to do that. So. But it's not a classic by any stretch of imagination, is it? It's not like the early 90s matches. Not really, no. no. I think the problem also, is, by this sorry, point, you, we're solely into the card, and we've had such bad stuff so far, not, this isn't good enough to bring it up to a level where it's like, oh god, remember how Sting versus Ric Flair saved the show? It improved the show, but mm. it didn't save it. No, it didn't at all. There was also one, um, um, he made a comment during the show about saying how uh, 1996 was going to change WCW. I mean, Tony, the whole course of wrestling is going to change in 96 here at WCW. I can just feel it. Nope. We've got a winner. He was indeed very much right. I think that's twice now because uh, Bobby Heenan's kind of cool stuff. Because at WrestleMania 8, he called Shawn Michaels the, the, the star of the 90s. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, it was. And now this one, is he said 1996 is going to change WCW. He, he's a Nostradamus figure in the wrestling now, I think. <laughs> He is, yeah. But somewhere in, in America right now, there's Bobby Heenan saying that the world will end. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's go. good. Yeah, um, so it's, 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 you know, there's good here work from Flair. You can see three Guerrero press slams from Sting because the crowd liked that, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's... opening the Gorilla Press, yeah. That's probably about as far as it goes. It's just like, it's not, they're just kind of reworking spots they know that work and, you know, they get out of there in time for the 60-man Battle Royal. Yep, and, yeah, um, but also during this match, just before we leave it, what was the point in Sensational Sherry and Colonel Tom Parker coming down? I have no idea. Uh, get them a payday. They were nothing to do with the match. <laughs> the uh, they, were, they weren't linked in any kind of feud at all with them, as far as I know. They were just there. They were just there. What Shall I tell you um, was the point in that? I'll, I'll tell you the point, Cameron. Go on. You have to come back and watch on tomorrow, tomorrow's Nitro. <laughs> uh, oh yeah because I'm going to find out something I've paid for the answer to something I've paid TV. for free yeah. jelly the next exactly time. Cameron exactly and this exactly. type of booking lives on in yeah. TNA to date it does indeed yes yep. it does indeed but we're not talking about TNA I want to highlight a point they, they, start, they, they start going through the promo now for the Battle Royal thing mm-hmm. kind of highlighting that the fact that, you know the, the whole thing around the belt that was Yes, lot dropped to the giant, but then wasn't really dropped because there was that stipulation that the WCW Championship Committee said was wrong and stuff. But they make a point in this promo saying there are three rings and there's a giant in each ring. Now, three rings with the most prestigious title in pro wrestling history on the line. 20 men in each of the three rings and a giant in each ring. In one, the mysterious Yeti. The other, the man who claims he is the rightful champion, the giant, the son of Andre. And in the third ring, a man who is the one true giant of the wrestling world, the man who has been walking on the dark side for the past couple of months, Hulk Hogan. So these these three, you know, giants we kept separate for the whole kind of thing until I think you know when the when the when the two rings kind of get is it 10 people they'll all merge into one ring the last 10 when it gets into the last 10 it merges yeah. into ring 1 yeah. so these three giants I'm, I'm going to come back to this these three big giants will be kept separate until they clash that's an amazing point at the climax of this match can I read out all 60 men in this match <laughs> go have for you it. written them down 
I have written them all down in order they came out. Oh, in God. which case, you're going to have to then. Okay, <laughs> we have... <laughs> this is all 60 people. I don't tell them what ring they go in. I have no fucking idea. We have got Arn Anderson, Alex Wright, Brian Nobbs, Ricky Santana, Squire David Taylor, Scott Armstrong, Sting, Joey Max, Pez Watley, Disco Inferno, Meng, Stevie Ray, Mark Starr, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Lieutenant James R. Wright, Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero, Cobra the Giant, Paul Orndorff, Chris Canyon, Bobby Walker, Earl Robert Eaton, Chris Benoit, Randy Savage, Marcus Bagwell, Vietti, Kurosawa... Hugh Morris, Zodiac, VK Wall Street, Diamond Dallas Page, Scott Norton, Brian Pillman, Sergeant Craig Pittman, One Man Gang, Super Assassin Number 2, JL, Bunkhouse Buck, Kensuke Sakai, Mike Winner, Shark, Steve Armstrong, Road Warrior Hawk, Dave Sullivan, Scotty Riggs, Johnny Bad, Big Train Bart, Lord Stephen Regal, Dick Slater, Max Muscle, Super Assassin Number 1, Fidel Sierra, Kevin Sullivan, Jerry Sags, Jim Duggan, Booker T, Big Bubba Rogers, Ric Flair, and number 60, Hulk Hogan. Thank you. Two points about the with all the guys come out. Uh-huh. Um, number one, when Regal comes out looking terrified, he's oh, amazing. He's the star of the show. That that steals the entire pay view. His face when he comes out is brilliant. No, no, it's when Michael Buffer's doing the intro and he's just cowering in the background looking yeah, at all the men well. in the ring. He's gonna look around and go, What the hell am I doing with all these people? And secondly, why does the Yeti come out dressed as a ninja? I don't understand. <laughs> because in all the promos, he's wearing like, well, he's a Yeti dressed as a mummy, apparently. No, he's, he's a toilet roll monster dressed as a mummy. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> and then he comes out, because I thought they got the names wrong. <laughs> I thought he's a the Yeti and they got the wrong person. <laughs> but he's no. dressed like a big ninja. What, what, what? But you've had him in the previous promo, he's dressed that way. Why well, change his costume? But it's fine, because he's a giant in the ring, so we'll get to him later, won't we? They, they show twice in the run-up to this the promo on um, was it Nitro beforehand of Lex Luger putting Hulk Hogan in the torture rack. Yes. It is kind of ruined both times by the your attention is drawn to the Yeti <laughs> with toilet roll wrapped around him doing this uh, thing I fucking love the Yeti just because he's so terrible. <laughs> like, who, who was the Yeti? Do we know this? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to find, find out. Really find out really quickly. Because it, it feels like the kind of um, thing that Kane would be doing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know, but obviously he was doing Isaac Yankum and Survivor Series yeah. 5. So it feels like the kind of gimmick that he'd be given. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Rice? The, yes, it is Ron Rice. You're correct. Trained by Big John Studd. Well, there's a... Dude. I also, he should have really gone with the name he had previously to Yeti, which was the Super Giant Ninja. Yeah, debuted in 95 as the Dungeon Dreams Insurance Policy, the Yeti, for the Havoc. So, so in that Halloween Havoc match, that's when he first came out. That was his intro. So he, no, he was introduced in inside a frozen block of ice. Oh my <laughs> yes. god. Oh, so these Dungeon of Doom promos are fantastic. Because they're so, you're kind of staring at the screen going, what the hell am I watching? Oh, there we go. The uh, following Halloween Havoc, 
the Yeti's ring attire was changed to resemble a masked ninja. There we go. Clearly. And he only made three more appearances as the character. I was then entered into this battle royal in the match against Barry Houston on WWE Prime and the match against One Man Gang on WWE Saturday Night in 96. At that point, he was renamed the Super Giant Ninja. There you go. And then he came back as being called Big Ron Stud. <laughs> and then he joined Raven's Flock in 98. Ah, uh, the Flock. And then he went to Japan. Yes. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was some career. It was. We did it all right. <laughs> Finishing move, two-handed chokeslam. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Nice. nice. Now, I also noticed, by the way, on uh, commentary, that um, the, uh, about sort of um, the, about a third of the way in, we get, we've seen virtual unknowns eliminated, which does kind of fly in the face right at the start when they said there was 60 international superstars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, we should point out that each ring has its own commentary team. Yeah, I was, gonna say, I was gonna explain how it's set up. So there's three rings, twenty men in each ring, and each ring has their own commentary duo. Yeah. So we've got Eric is Eric Bischoff and the, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes in one. Yep, that's the ring no the ring two. Ring two ring sorry. one is Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain. Yep, and ring three is uh, Larry Zabisco and some other guy? Uh Chris Cruz. Chris Cruz. Thank you. Can I just point out, by the way, I is anyone else find that Larry Zabisco's voice just grates on them? You know, I thought it was very clever of Hulk Hogan to hide behind Savage and Sting at the appropriate time, but after what Lex Luger did to Macho Man, I don't think he's going to do the Hulkster any good whatsoever. All right, the waiting is over. Mm. Mm, yeah, after a while. Yeah. All I hear when Lionel Sabisco is commentating is this kind of noise. <laughs> well, you've got that mixed in with Dusty Rhodes. What the fuck are you saying? He's <laughs> <laughs> just no idea what he's saying. <laughs> Well, this will go down in infinity, if you will, around the world as a, the grandest pay-per-view of all times. A new champion will be crowned. And let me tell you, folks sitting out there in television land, cable system throughout the world, you might see an underdog tonight step to the forefront and wear the gold as WCW's world heavyweight champion. So it's at this point that the, uh, the camera splits into a three-way split screen on each ring. Why? Yeah. Who thought this was acceptable? Yeah, because it, uh, at this point, the fatal flaw in this battle royal is revealed in that there's just too much going on. There's too much yeah. shit going on. You can't focus on three rings at once. It's obvious that someone just sat there and went, right, WBF have got the Royal Rumble. How do we top that? Oh, right, well, they've got 30 people. <laughs> Let's just times that by two and have 60. Oh, but that'll go on for ages. Just dump them all in at once. Yeah. Oh, the ring won't take 60 guys in at once. Give him three rings. Give him three rings. Done. Done anyway, done. Let's go home. Yeah. Did anyone else note that Eric Bischoff was so excited on the first handover of commentary that he felt like he was trying to sell this disaster way too hard? I think he knew by this point. I think he yeah, knew. Yeah, he knew this was a mistake. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Let's take you to ring two with Eric Bischoff and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Okay, thanks, Tony Giovanni. And I tell you what, it is wild here as well. I'm just put down... Three-way split screen. I only have two eyes and one brain. Yeah. It's, that, it's also at this point, my, a, a quote from my son when we watched this earlier, he said, it's not good production, this is it. Wow. <laughs> a no, nine-year-old child. Fun. A nine-year-old child. And it, it's so confusing, you can't even see the Yeti get eliminated. No. It's after like no. a minute. One of their main guys that they hyped up for this, you know, yeah. giant in the ring, Yeti. This, it's, all that happens gone. is the commentator says the Yeti is gone. He's gone. The real stunner is that the Yeti has already been eliminated. Watch out, bro! Oh, 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 oh
the, the also I think the other fatal flaws are that like a lot of wrestlers just kind of get out of the ring and start fighting on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll hop out the middle of the Lex Luger spends I think the entire match on the outside. He does good thinking and all that. And um, the, the other problem is the refs are inside the ring, so they can't see when like, there's no refs on the floor to see when people are eliminated. Because you know, like the Royal Rumble, there's like a ref on each side, isn't there? Yeah. So they can kind of run around and verify. I'm just like counting, right? How many people are left? Uh, Twenty-one. Yeah. Shit. Wait a minute. So you've got like like these twenty wrestlers in the ring, all trying to dodge the ref who's trying to dodge them in the rings <laughs> as he kind of goes around. It's like, well, why put them in the ring? No. Here's because... a more important question: Why do this? <laughs> because it's World War Three, Ewan. Come on. I understand that, but surely no one at any point went. By the way, this is a complete cluster. This is never going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, yeah. Um, I think the only note I put at this point is, please stop showing the Zodiac, please. <laughs> yeah, he, he does kind of draw your attention, doesn't he, by the fact he just looks... Like an idiot. Insane. Like an idiot, so what you're looking for there, Cameron. He's got a stupid black and white face with stupid arms tassels by his wrists. Uh, yeah, pretty and much. And it's, it's a fan oh. Bruce's bee cake, and it's like, just go away, please. Yeah, something I've also said here is, um, is Hugh Morris called humorous in this? I think he's... Yeah, I think you're right. Again, and at one point, I think the, the, the team mentioned him. I said, went, Hugh Morris. Oh, humorous, I get it. Did Hugh Morris just make an entire career of really crap names for his <laughs> gimmicks? So. Because let us not forget, this is the man who portrayed Hugh G-Rection. <laughs> ah, I forgot about that. Yeah. You, yep. also have, you also have Crash the Terminator. Captain Huge Erection and General Huge Erection, so you got an upgrade. He <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> the Laughing Man and the Man of Question. The Man of Question. Oh, wow. God. But all Which those names would be really Huge Erection. But all those yeah. names are still better than Zodiac. Yes, that goes pretty much. Yeah, pretty so, much. So um, um, uh, the, the next note I've got put is um, uh, Hogan Saved by Duggan. What a spot? I think I'd completely glazed that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then we get to the I'm point whereby... I was, um, watching the, I was watching the Yeti. <laughs> I think it's um, ring one. They kind of get down to ten people first. So they have to stop and move into the second ring. And that right. isn't awkward at all, is it? No. no. Just it's stop like, in the mid-fight. Everyone's mid fight. fighting. Get in well, the ring. Get in this ring. Carry on. You can see the other Well, boys, boys, boys. Stop, stop, stop. Get in that ring now. Come on. <laughs> into the other ring. Why not just let them use all three rings? That one of them. I don't know. You can have some good spots. You're you're trying to think of ways you could have made this somewhat bearable, right? And the only thing I could come up with is have your 20-man battle royal in each ring, but once you had a defined winner, like a last man standing in each ring, those three people went into the ring one and it was a triple threat. That would have worked. I think, I'm sure, like, Ring of Honor have done something similar to that. Like, it's a six-way... It's just a scramble match. When you get down to like two left, it just turns into a regular match. Yeah, just something like that, just to avoid this whole tidal wave of just idiocy. Tidal wave of idiocy. Tidal wave of idiocy, live on pay-per-view. <laughs> I'd pay for that. that on Sunday, sorry, Wednesday. <laughs> Wait, Thursday, there's just like X's across the days of the week. <laughs> they just show a calendar go no that one no that one that one that, that, one, that one, one just put the date into the calendar whatever day it is that's the right date <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much um, I've also I've just put down here as well it's like kind of going the only highlight I can think of after watching this match for the last 25 minutes 
good top rope drop kick from Eddie Guerrero. He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it gets down to those kind of last that last ring, it, it's not too bad. I mean, like I say, it's Guerrero not too bad once it's done that. No, when Guerrero's doing a bit of doing a bit of business with um, Flair and Anderson, that's quite good. He's like kind yeah. of working with them. Um, I think Lex is still pacing slowly outside. They have to kind of talk quickly around a guy being stretched out with their neck brakes on. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is ruined by the shitty finish. Yes. The only guy in the stretches actually um, was uh, Scott Armstrong, who was the uh, WWF referee now. Oh. He was the guy who did the fast count on Daniel Bryan earlier on in the year. Oh, yes, he was. You know, the fakey ref. He came back in WrestleMania 30, and that's the same guy. There you go. Wow. Did That's that. the most interesting thing I got from this match. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, I noticed but, also that Savage is not selling anything concerning his arm. No, <laughs> no, no, because they burned that when they burned the wrestling server <clears throat> earlier in the show, you see. Yeah. This, is an, disappeared. this is an arm injury that was so severe that as soon as Lex Luger, not half an hour beforehand, Shh. put the arm lock on, oh, he was he passed out. rendered stop it, stop unconscious. It. Stop it. You're, you're he sells Luger all. Stop yeah. it! Absolutely awful. Yeah, why does one man gang last until this? Like, until, like the last six men? I think he's maybe forgotten to eliminate himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he lasts longer than Flair and Anson do, when they both get yeah. eliminated. Probably because he realizes there's a queue for the showers at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well stay in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we get to the finish where. Um, there's a nice bit of work where is it Sting and Luger are double teaming the Giants for the yeah. one time that Sting's in the ring, and then um, Hogan eliminates all of them, and including his best friend apparently. And then the Giant pulls out uh, Hogan from the ring, and they start fighting. And then as that's going on, Brandy Savage eliminates somebody else, and the ref's like, "Ah, oh, he's the last one left in the ring, therefore he's the winner." And rings the bell. At which point Hogan comes in and starts doing like a mime that he got pulled under the rope. Yeah. And he does this mime several times, and I get a bit concerned he's going to hit his back or something because he's doing it a bit too aggressively. It would have been hilarious <laughs> if he had injured his back doing a mime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like the crowd are booing, mm-hmm. and it's not like they're even pushing a, a heel turn for Savage. He's just like, wow, well, one. You know, it, it is what it is, brother. I live by what it is. Is what it is. Can you handle that? Yes or no? Yeah, they're just booing because it's shit. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a terrible ending. And then, like, Hogan's like, you didn't win properly, brother, and I'm going to show you the footage on Nitro tomorrow night. Oh, that drove me nuts. Yeah. At this point, I just wrote down, fuck this show, fuck this show, fuck this that show. That is, is a just... terrible ending. You gotta see the film. You wanna see the videotape? I gotta see the film. Try tomorrow night on Monday Nitro. Instant replays that take 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, because you've got to get the film, yeah, isn't well, it? You have to develop them. It's like Fujifilm. Yeah, yeah, you have to, like, you know, someone has to sit and, you know, stick it all, to, you know, stick yeah. it all together. Well, no, someone has to sit there and make it look good, first of all. Then. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's just, oh, my. And then it's just this really, it's it's a really awkward promo at the end. And oh, it's yeah. just a terrible way to end a pay-per-view. It's a really yeah, flat awful, way of doing it. Awful. Just the, a, any kind of, Goodwill you had towards them just getting uh, just sucked right out of you. They may as well have Eric Bush off a pool of money at this point. Exactly. Well, yeah. But you just know they've just pulled this one off because they want to put Nitro next over yeah. on the next night. What, what should be like a really kind of celebrating moment of, you know, Savage, you know, fighting back into the injury and winning against 60 men and all that? It's just completely undercut. Yeah. 
by or it should have been Hogan. Yeah, kind of it's all yeah. like an attempt to make you know have Hogan not win but not hurt him at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it, your key phrase when you described it, Phil, was when you said, "Whilst that's going on, Randy Savage eliminates someone else." Yeah, who was it? I don't even because <laughs> you do not see it. I don't even know who's in the because you see like um, Hogan slamming the joint on the outside and then like the bell rings. Yeah, uh, it's like what? It just doesn't work as an ending. It just makes no also, sense. You're relying on the fact that at that stage, Nick Patrick was the only referee officiating a 60-man battle royal. <laughs> yeah. There's that small fact. So where did the other referees go? Yeah. Oh. They all just went, oh, well, it's time to clock off for the night. Because, <laughs> yeah, my uh, ring's gone. My ring's empty. Bye, boys. My ring's empty. Bye, boys. Because there's what? There's, there's like six refs outside of a rebel match? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, there's Interesting fact. Overall, this was the sixth worst WCW buy rate ever. Oof. Really? Yes. That it doesn't only... shock me. No, it well, was sold 430,000 think... buys. I don't think that whole kind of the Dungeon Doom food with um, Hogan just didn't take off at all, did it? It was just no. the gimmicks were bad, the storylines were bad, and it kind of really kind of derailed any kind of, you know. And you know, well, he also had a group called the Dungeon of Doom. That's your first yeah, one. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. a bad thing. I'll give him that. Dungeon Doom, that sounds cool. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It does sound cool, you. You're wrong. No. Okay. It sounds like it sounds like someone out of Batman: Brave and the Bold. Exactly. That's what it's cool. But it doesn't sound cool now because when I say Dungeon of Doom, you're picturing the shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I said <laughs> it prior to that, you'd be like Dungeon of Doom. Well, that sounds like a good. You know, that sounds like a, like a decent you know, team could be brought out of that thing. No, it's no, ruined now. Not picturing Doom Patrol. No. <laughs> but he, but anyway, the um, taskmaster no, and his face makeup. But would you it. would you look at this pay per view and think what in a year's time this company's really going to be going places? Nope, Shocking, I'd be it? thinking this exactly. company be dead. Exactly, you'd be looking. How important was that Hogan heel turn to them? It's uh, ridiculously it. like and, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash going over. You know, I don't yeah. think without that. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but. It's, it's quite shocking how, how they were able to kind of, you know, put some fire into the company and get them to a point where they weren't doing that well in the ratings. And then so, a few years after their peak, watch it self-destructed from yeah. the rise. Yeah. But we're not looking at the future. We, we're kind of, you know, we Survivor Series 95 last week, this this week, looking at the two products as they stand, you know, they're not, they're not that far apart, but it's been just no. many in production, I think, is the thing that separates them the most. Because, you know, there's, there's bad gimmicks on both sides. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. There's, you know, there's good bits on both sides as well, but I think it's Vince's kind of level of, you know, attention to detail. It's that that wins it. Yeah, that kind of oh, yeah. puts it over yeah. the top. So when yeah. you kind of look at the two products, it's like, well, clearly WWF's better because... It is. It hasn't got a Yeti dressed as a ninja. <laughs> no, they wouldn't dream of putting at least that on. Even though, even though in my head that sounds amazing, a yeti dressed as a ninja that should be amazing. Yeah, but no, it's not. But it's not. No. But it's not. No. So, no. so, so, where do we stand then? Where do we stand with this kind of on some, on the World War Three? I mean, as a concept, it has legs. Uh, it does, and it just I don't know. It's, it's a concept absolutely overkill. I yeah. agree. It's like I say. It's just like they've obviously looked at the Royal Rumble and went, "That works. How yeah. can we rip it off without doing exactly the same thing? Yeah, and make it better." Well, the, 
The only thing worse than this is the triple cage match, the cage on yes. top of the cage on top of the cage. Yes, that was terrible. That's terrible as well. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's that kind of... Um, they kind of the people like Karen said, they kind of go, right, we'll do this. And they kind of start doing it without really thinking about it too much. But you kind of get the feeling that... Well, even though you know the majority of this may not be the case, but Vince would actually kind of think a bit harder about stuff for pay per views. Yeah. Now, even though on Raw he might kind of throw out a stupid skit or whatever, when it comes to pay per views, I think he's kind of you know they'll think things through an awful lot until they kind of get it to a point where it's workable. Was it not the big difference though between <clears throat> WCW always had that kind of vein that they never quite, especially at this stage, as I say, left behind the whole deep south banjo playing redneck wrestling I think it's company. the dusty effect yeah because yeah. this feels like a dusty Vince, finish Vince saw it much more as it has to be palatable for television yeah yeah whereas WCW always seemed to not quite have that mm. until obviously the Nitro thing kicked off and the Monday Night Wars and all that kind of stuff they were doing really well yeah um, sure. there was an element of of kind of still at the carnival with WCW it wasn't very yeah. progressive. It wasn't very kind of forward thinking in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it had to appeal to the kind of you know the the yeah. you know, hicks basically. But then when you, know, when you when you kind of say you know, like a three ring sixty mile battle royal, that sounds progressive. But it's also so when you actually put it on paper, like you look at it, it looks really stupid. Yeah, when it you, does look ridiculous. It's like every single thing TNA try to do these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, more importantly, where does it stand on the list of uh, of people you've done so far? I think it's probably going to, have to be bottom. Uh, yeah, I think overall there's not enough redeeming factors. I was thinking it was almost better than King of the Ring. Uh, yes. No. No, if, no, you, no. if you're looking at it from a, a laugh at it quality, not as an actual quality. As yeah. At least with King of the Ring 93, you did have the story of Bret Hart and you had a good support. Perfect true. match. Yeah, the hot pump. Um, yeah. Quite a good night. Okay, the stuff in between was a bit patchy. Right, at least yeah. you had an over uh, an overarching story that was convincing. Kind of makes this sense. This does bog all. Because whatever story they had, like they built up these stories in the promos, and then when they actually go into the ring, it makes no sense. Like the thing no. with the Yeti being <laughs> the thing with the Yeti being in different clothes. It's like that makes no sense. You, you know, you have to kind of introduce change like that. You can't just like drop that in the middle of a show. It just happens. It just happens, and the whole thing. Yeah, you know, you're right. Bottom of the pile. This is the worst well, promo we've ever done. Yeah, it's it's a, but consequently, um, it is, uh, as a result of that, the fourth best pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So there you go. You're welcome, WCW. Yeah, yeah so we're giving you that. It yeah. would be interesting, though, at one point to do a good WCW pay-per-view. Agreed. <laughs> we should, no, in all seriousness, we should... They do we, exist. We, they do exist. They have had some absolute crackers. Yeah. Um, like I, I think, think of what gets a good Starcade '97 gets a good write-up. Yeah, there's so, stuff from like the late, the late '80s, American Bash '89. A, a lot of Clash of the Champions are good. Yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting to do a uh, a good WCW pay per view because I like I say well, I've not really watched WCW back in the day. I'm liking doing this podcast and in this example of watching a pay per view. I didn't have any emotional attachment to. Yeah, it. I, I was going to mention that because like all, all the ones you've done so far, I've got some kind of connection to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this is just like I've never seen this before, yeah. and holy shit! <laughs> yeah, like, I can probably see why I didn't watch it yeah. at the time. But yeah. back, you know, when back in the uh, mid nineties, there wasn't that kind of big um, 
VHS uh, distribution for the WWE ones. So obviously, WWF had Silver Vision, mm-hmm. and there was quite a big section of theirs in the you know, in the in the video shops. But WCW never really had that kind of penetration. It was still a very US oriented product. It was only later into their life, like the like, late '90s, early 2000s, where they finally expanded out and through the rest of the world. Yeah, because they were still thematically stuck in the carnival. Yeah, stuck well, in the deep Hog South. Wild yeah. Shows prove that. Yeah. Oh, Hogwild. Oh God. Yeah. Let's not forget. <laughs> let's that. take Harlem Heat to a bunch of bikers. Oh wait, stop saying those things. They're not very nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those words sound bad. Oh God. Stop saying those words. Turn off the camera. TV, Turn off the camera. There you go. Good podcast. It was very good. Yeah. We've yes. uh, firmly talked about World War Three. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Um, in, a, in a way, I'm glad it's over. Where do, we, where do we go from here? Well, because he wasn't here tonight, and because he's away in the Lake District on a romantic evening, uh, a few evenings away with his, with his girlfriend. Stop. There is <laughs> Stop. Yeah, okay. There are too, far, Cameron, too far, Cameron. Too far. Um, Alan sort of like was a bit put out of the fact that we were doing a WCW pay-per-view anyway. <laughs> so I said, right, what would you want to do? And the other morning when I got into work and before I left for holiday, I went, right, I'm giving you two hours. You've got to decide on what we're going to do for episode five and we'll do it. No questions, nothing asked. That was no your doubt first about mistake. It. Oh, God. I was like, you I... get to pick it, you can pin it down and we'll do that. We will follow your lead. I get the feeling we should have been consulted on this. Well, Al went, well, Cameron, that's an interesting thought. Fuck. And he went, Give us a couple of hours, then I'll think about it. <laughs> and so I came back off my lunch, and I walked past the lab, and Al went, I've got it. Episode five of the Conquistadors. <laughs> the 1989 Royal Rumble. Oh, my goodness. Oh, lordy. Is that the first one? It is. That's the Duggan one, isn't it? Spoilers. It is the Duggan one. Oh, yep. boy. So he then later admitted that he only does he only shows that because he's watched it about a hundred and fifty times <laughs> last year. But doesn't see, have to watch anything for it. Doesn't have to do any notes because he can do it all from memory. Fair enough. See, that, if he picked, um, oh, I think it must be the ninety rumble. That that's the one I watched the most. Yeah, because it's got Ric Flair. No, not that one. No, no, that's that's nice too. Sorry, the one that has Hogan and the Warrior in towards oh, the end. Oh, that's it. Sorry, I got the wrong one. Yeah, with the. Um, uh, Genius Brutus Barber Beefking match as well on the Intercard. Oh, that's a great Royal Rumble. Should have done that one instead. Well, sorry, lads. It's locked down now. We're doing the 1989 Royal Rumble. We should have been consulted on this. It should have been I consulted. Promised him, I promised him. I said, you get but, to pick to stop your moaning yeah. about, oh, why have we done this pay per view? And I don't like WCW. Blah, blah, blah. Can you I get ask to pick. Question. What's going to happen well, when I start suggesting Japanese shows? Is he just going to, like, outright go no? <laughs> We will probably see the extent of Al's casual racism. Yes. We won't be casual anymore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> casual about it. Professional, no. thank you very much. <laughs> we'll just bleep out Al in terms of <laughs> contribution. But it does make sense. You know. So what did you think about Nakamura Al? <laughs> it does make sense thematically. Like we can see you know, what the Survivor Series got wrong. That's right, what the World War Three got wrong in '95. Compared to what WWF got right six years previously, <laughs> and yeah. kind 
as a kind of as a strange comparison of the two. <laughs> yeah, the odd thing is, yeah, it will feature most of the people we've watched in World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> but it's younger and slightly better, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there we go. Uh, you know, dear. There we go. So, yes, if you want to uh, give us some feedback on that, no one's given us any kind of feedback so far on this at all. I don't know why I say it every show, but I'm going to carry on saying it. Just well, I, I, I have emailed the uh, the great uh, publication that is Power Slam. Yeah. Every month, um, giving out uh, details, but as of yet, I have had no response. I will keep doing so, though. I will. I will. Pester, pester, bore them to death with every single link we have. Good, <laughs> good work. So yeah, we'll be doing that one next. I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah, right. it should be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting show. I've watched it a few times. It's, it's good fun. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, we'll be back to a fatal forward next week. You always say week, Phil, and it's monthly. Yeah, it's I know, I don't know why. I don't know why I do. Next episode, there we go. You're, there just, you go. you're, you're just completely taken by Sonic Ring, aren't you? I'm too, well, eager to, I'm, I'm too eager to do this show. I wish I did it all the time. It's much better. We should, yeah, wrestling. We should just do it weekly. We should just do it weekly. Wrestling is amazing. Wrestling is awesome. Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. End it there, I think, then. Pretty much. Bye. Wrestling. Wrestling. Conquistadors have left the building. A million percent. A million percent.